It's going to be there. So we're looking forward to our first meeting, which is going to be at 1 p.m. on the 16th. Happens to be also the weekend of the Harvest Moon Festival. And you've been at the Harvest Moon Festival more than once oh, with, yeah. our, with our booth. And we're going to have our, the Garden Club booth is going to be set up. But in the afternoon, you need to leave the Harvest Moon and come over to us at 1 p.m., go to our meeting, and then get right back to the Harvest Moon. It's, uh, it goes, uh, the, the festival goes from 10 to 5, so we're just going to interrupt that afternoon for a little bit, but over at the college. And, and David, could you explain to folks why we changed the weekend for the, the club meetings uh, due to a conflict? Yes, yes. And, and uh, we're always looking for situations to optimize you know, how many people in our membership can, can get to a meeting. Uh, you know, winters uh, give that same problem is how late in the, you know, in the season do you want to have evening meetings and things like that. So Right, because I know uh, when we changed from 7 in the evening to 1 in the afternoon, we had a lot of members uh, that were happy for that because they don't like driving at night, exactly. especially on bad roads. And I, you, you probably all should have already noticed that it's getting darker and darker. Uh, what uh, we're not getting woken up by the sun as many as uh, as as often as we used to. That's for sure. That you know? is for sure. Yeah. You know. So and so, uh, we also know what that darkness means is uh, end of the gardening season. Really? And <laughs> up here and and I don't know if you noticed it, David, but you know, uh, boy, we had it. It wasn't quite a full moon last night, but I'll tell you what, it was. It was 90-plus percent full. It was just a little sliver yeah, yeah. on it. And, uh, boy, it's you can damn near read a newspaper out there. I like the idea of it being a hunter's moon, which yeah. is so cool. Yeah, and uh, the how, harvest the harvest yeah. moon for us this time of year, harvest moon. Right, of course. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, wh- who, who's out there that would like to see what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, and, and you know, David, I got to tell you, last night when I went to bed, I was uh, – you know, this time of year, you don't leave your, we don't have the shades up the tight to make it dark as right. much in the in right. the bedroom anymore. Right. Well, I was laying in bed and there were northern lights. Oh. And they weren't the spectacular ones, yeah. but there were northern lights. I was just laying in bed looking out the window yeah. watching the northern lights for a little while. There are a lot of reasons that we're in Alaska. A lot of them being family and a lot of them are being a remarkable place to live. Right. Yeah. Right. So, folks, uh, for this first meeting on the 16th, David is, uh, like I said, he's a retired landscape architect, and David is great at garden design. And one of the things, uh, now David, he moved up here, his family's up here, grandkids and daughter, but he worked for many years on the East Coast and in Florida, mm-hmm. and you know, the principles are the same. It's just the plants are different. Yep. So, uh, David, tell the folks what you're going to well, talk about on Saturday. One of the things that, that I've always been interested in, even while just in the practice of designing gardens, is garden history. Uh, I've always liked history, but uh, gardened, gardens have been designed on purpose in a very specific you know, set of design concepts f- from uh, 2000 B.C., to yesterday, and so there's a. If we were nuclear physicists, our, the history of nuclear fission is you know 100, 150 years old. Right, we, we'd be talking about what happened in 1860. 
not what happened in 2000 BC. So the lecture, uh, the presentation, <laughs> I'm going to have to keep it short because it's a long time to, uh, to talk about. But we're going to really do a survey of garden design that started in 2000 BC and ended uh, 2020, basically. Everything, uh, every garden design concept, every design uh, style, but the uh, gardens are are you not so much unique. Uh, along with architecture, I suppose, or urban design, uh, they're an artifact of the period that they were designed in. So you don't you you, you when you're in a, a, a an old garden, you should understand how it got to be the way it is, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Very cool, and you know. Uh, We've talked about this a little before, David, and maybe some of you folks uh, uh, have studied this at all, too. But, you know, one of the gardens I'd love to visit during the summer was Thomas Jefferson's garden. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, his, the historians have done the research and they grow the garden today as Thomas Jefferson grew. Well, there's a the, the, uh, two things are always happening. The, uh, what is the garden? How was the garden designed for the experience of being in the garden, and at the same time, what plants were being used uh, in both the ornamental garden and in the vegetable garden. And uh, everybody's, <laughs> I think that's one reason, not the complete reason, but the one reason why we start 2000 BC is that people have been eating for a long time. And we, you know, gardens, I know I have. Gar gardens, <laughs> gardens have been important. Uh, in ways that other things, including nuclear fission, has not been important. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the, um, it, it's going to, we can go to a garden that uh, Thomas Jefferson actually visited in England and visit the, uh, gar the vegetable garden aspect of it. It's a huge garden, but in that, in, um, in, on the grounds of this garden that happens to be outside London, Thomas Jefferson looked at the walled garden where all the vegetables were being grown. And so right alongside the ornamental, you know, strolling, huge garden that, that we would call a garden, maybe a, land, um, a landscape garden, um, was the production of fruits and berries and vegetables and potatoes. So, um, you know, the, Jefferson was in... It was, excited about the vegetables that he was growing in Monticello. In fact, that's where they're doing their seed research in, you know, the heirloom garden, heirloom plants that Jefferson was growing in his garden, what was on the table. Yeah, and they, they also did that for another good reason, just like in World War II, the Victory Gardens. Yep. Food might, I mean, the, oh, the well, goal is to eat, you know, so. The gar uh, yeah, various cultures are still dependent on how still well how well you know how to garden. Hunter gatherers still that, uh, well that and but also just backyard gardens. Yeah. They don't think about it being a backyard, it's where we eat. You know? Right. And so. in uh, and in Great Britain anyway, mm -hmm. uh, it's always kind of funny when people talk about if they do have a backyard of any kind, they right. call it their garden. Of course. Whether it's got plants in it or not. No, it might no, just it's a be a different concept. It might just be grass. Yep. But they still call it the garden. Well, yes, there's a, a, a lot a lot of history there. We can chat about that either on the uh, today or we certainly are going to be on this on the 16th. Um, a lot of a lot of traditions come from how well fed you are generally, 
And if you need to supplement whatever your smallest income happens to be, you end up being a better gardener. Um, and so every, every, uh, even if you had a job in the coal mine in Yorkshire in England, uh, you had a garden because they weren't paying you enough to feed your family. And, you know, one of the one of the things I think, and this is fairly recent, uh, we talked about this, too, is I can't remember where it was, but at one of the castles, you want to mm-hmm. call it or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever, uh, during the drought over there, it, it was the, the whole grounds were just grass they were cutting. And then when the drought hit, you literally, they could go in the air and they could see the design yep. of where the old garden was. The, well, where the old Roman cities were. Right, where the, yes. where the paths were, where the planting beds were, where right. everything was. And now they're doing the research to try and find out what was in that garden to get that garden built back up again. The, 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 there's a lot of uh, archaeology going on uh, that gardens are involved in. That's one of the things we'll be looking at on, on the 16th is... Um, in the middle of a uh, what now is a desert, there'll be a village that had gardens in it. You know, they managed the water in one way or another in order to get that thing to happen. Now, there's been a lot of ec- ecological changes in the meantime, but um, yes, we can find evidence of how a particular culture operated um, from the from the evidence that's still there. And you know what's neat about that and neat about the history, historical research about that mm-hmm. is a lot of the plants, in fact, a vast majority of the plants that we grow in this country and around the world were developed not in the United no. States, right? I mean, uh, carrots were Afghanistan, potatoes yep. came out of the, uh, the Andes in South America, yep. and a lot of people don't realize that, that those plants... You know, uh, pineapple was a South American plant, and now they've stretched mean, it around the country. You mean it didn't start in Honolulu? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, I always love the story of uh, one of uh, of Babar, who was a uh, a Mongol emperor. Okay, had a rose garden, and his favorite was. The development, the cultivation of various types of roses. So right out of what we think is the Arabian Nights, where you're more likely to have your head cut off than the actual, the discussion at the dinner table was going to be about roses, not who we're going to slice and dice. Okay, so you're not talking about Babar, what is it, the elephant or the bear, the cartoon bear? No, no. No, no. this is the other Babar. This is the guy that... (laughs) That really did slice and dice. <laughs> Sliced and dice people's heads. But, but yeah, yeah that, that to me is one, one of the neat things about the, our, the history mm-hmm. of gardens is, you know, uh, you know, beans came, a lot of beans came from the U.S. Corn is a U.S. Yep, definitely. It was developed in Europe. The, didn't know anything about They them. didn't have nope. any idea what corn was. Uh, tomatoes, yeah. you know, down in Mexico in that way, which there was a big belief many years ago that tomatoes were poisonous. And some are. <laughs> Depending, yeah, depending yes. on what you, they got, you got to be careful. But, yeah. but they, uh, you know, and then now they're propagated worldwide, right? And people, and I, and you know, I'm going to bet you there's folks in Great Britain or other parts of the country that's like, oh, I didn't know these came what, from there. What do you mean mashed potatoes aren't all British? That's you right. Know? Yeah, of course they are. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Those were those were invented in Ireland. What, what right. are you talking about? Yeah, what we are you know what those about? are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the uh, the background of these things is is generally interesting. But when we're talking about garden design, um, 
a lot of stuff happens accidentally, and then we have to live with it. Uh, the idea of designing something is that it shouldn't be accidental. And um, so e even in Alaska, uh, as the, you know, the last frontier, it might be a nice idea to think about what we're going to do before we do it. And that's the whole aspect of garden design. Uh, why is your garden where it is? Is it just happened to, you know, be the spare spot that the guy that constructed that house that didn't actually have an orientation thought about, you know? So we're always dealing with uh, the negative aspects of just doing something accidentally. And what, what landscape architects do is they try to avoid as many of those accidents as possible. Sure. That's the idea. Sure. That's, that's pretty neat. And David, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know... Uh, Folks, David used to spend the summers out of Alaska, and now he's spending summers in Alaska. Yeah, I always, I was a winter, what what would you call it? He was a reverse, he was the yeah, anti-snowbird. Exactly, he was the reverse snowbird. Exactly. I from the bizarro I world. Still actually, I still actually <laughs> like like uh, Alaska in the wintertime. Um, the uh, bears are asleep and the mosquitoes don't exist yet. Boy, no kidding. So, but, um, yeah, I, li I lived uh, the summers in the UK. Right. Right. The, the UK is still like if you care anything about gardens, it's after after let's quote unquote football, uh, gardening is the national sport. We everybody is engaged one way or the other. Yeah, and yeah. there's where you go back to those little cottage gardens, which are so cute. Um, cottage gardens are cottage gardens because you didn't have a dime to rub together and you lived in a cottage and therefore an awful lot of what we consider cute was necessity it was necessity for it's just for necessity food. guys yeah exactly yeah, that's pretty cool that's yeah. pretty cool yeah. yeah uh yeah hopefully uh you know that's one of the things people don't look at is you know you've got a house that's everything faces north <laughs> and the only part that's south is there's tall trees the yep. sun gets it just a little bit of the day but they're planting plants that need eight hours of sun a day in alaska that's all crucial too that's very crucial you yeah. bet you know you need to plant those plants that are shade tolerant if mm -hmm. it's shade you know mm -hmm. that's that's something to think about instead of just throwing something into the ground. Now, well, some you, of those things will, you know, some of those things will always still grow. My my daughter, my granddaughter is growing uh, tomatoes and cucumbers in my uh, enclosed porch right now, and we we she's really cute. She always comes in and harvests the cucumbers. Were they're about four inches long, <laughs> so I it's, it's, she comes in and gets a pickle occasionally. Yeah, but 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 it's because you know that's the best I can give her, and we don't have a high you know high tunnel, and uh, this is just the the plant doing the best it can. Right, you know, and it's just doing that. It's it's got the best chance in the world is just to hang on and do what. It, Right, and when, produce a pickle occasionally. When David's granddaughter, I mean, he asked David, and then David wasn't a hundred percent because he didn't spend summers up here. For no, long, right? no. He asked me when when can my granddaughter move her tomato and cucumber outdoors, and I said never, no, never, exactly. You don't do it, especially this summer. Yeah, you know, this yeah. summer especially, uh, it's been tough enough growing them in a in a greenhouse or a high tunnel. It's been so cold. Exactly. You know, but but yeah, I've been over to David's, and uh, his one little granddaughter is so sweet. Uh, She's Tickled to death getting her tomatoes she and comes in and harvests every once in a while. They don't get, they, and and she likes them. She'll eat them up. That she, you know, they don't get they don't get sat around. 
she yeah. comes and yeah and so. and depending on what's going on uh i'm not sure i'm probably a little bit too early but you never know but the neighbor kids uh, marty was going to have them oh mm-hmm. uh, my old buddy harvey and and his little sister tuli we're going to come down and help Marty harvest peas You've today. Got peas, and then uh, your potatoes. Go right, and yeah. you know, I was going to mention to folks, you know, folks, you know how much I love to grow potatoes. Well, one of the things I'm going to do different this year is it is so wet out there. Normally, I would cut my my vines are dying. You know, they're yeah. they're petering out, and I cut the vines off, and then I just leave the potatoes in my containers to let them dry out and let the <laughs> let the skins age and everything. I'm not doing that this year, folks. It is so wet. Yeah. I'm actually going to harvest my potatoes this week. Uh, last year, Marty, you know, Marty, uh, checking our little logbook, we harvested potatoes after the vines. We didn't harvest them till like, October 4th. Mm-hmm. T- took them out of the containers. This year, it's so wet and it's going to be so tough to get that soil to dry, even in containers, that I'm going to harvest them. Yeah, get, them, get them out of there. I'm going to get them out of the container, and I've got a spot in my greenhouse mm-hmm. where I'm going to lay them on top of the, the soil that now I've harvested and I don't have anything extra planted in. I'm going to lay them on there and let them age right and dry out, and you don't clean the soil off. I've mm-hmm. done it. You know, everybody, you know, this is another one of those things, folks, that— you do what you like to do. You know, if you if you dig your potatoes and take them right in the house and wash the dirt off of them and that works for you, that's hunky-dory. You know, <laughs> it's fine. You know, but I, I like to let we, them age. We might have to go outside and settle this. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. What do you mean you, you wash your potatoes? Yeah, we'll, I'll tell you what, I'll leg wrestle you on that one. We'll, uh, all right, we're taking a break, folks. Dave and I are going to leg wrestle and see who wins this battle. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm, but I'm going to harvest mine and get them out there and let them dry in the greenhouse and uh, keep the fan going so keep moisture mm-hmm. down, keep air moving. And uh, that's what I'm going to do this year. Uh, just because it's so wet, it's going to take those forever to dry in the container. Even covering them with a tarp to keep rain out, it's right. going to take forever. At least that's what I think is going to happen. Mother Nature doesn't care what you did last year. That's right. She definitely doesn't care. Yeah. And she definitely didn't care what we did this year. <laughs> no. uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, David, in talking to, to some of our gardeners, I've talked to, to folks that have been gardening for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they've said... Never seen it right. s- this bad a, a winter as far as yeah. cold, yeah. rainy, everything. Uh, my uh, I, and I got to tell you, you know, like I plant things in my greenhouse. I got some runner beans mm-hmm. that literally, and I guess it's getting too cold tonight. I got vines all over hmm. the trellis in my greenhouse. Huh? There is not bean one on. So they put a whole lot of uh, uh, vegetative growth and a lot of greening and didn't care much about and they start to flower production. they start to flower and nothing's happening yeah you know I leave the doors of my greenhouse open for bees to get in there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will buzz mm-hmm. them I will shake them I'll touch yeah. them and I'll try to do what I can like I do with my tomatoes I'm not getting I'm not getting any I'm not getting any beans that's well, funny isn't it the the plants have they they're not thinking about it but they do respond to changes in the, oh, absolutely. Uh, in the, in the situation. Absolutely. So they, you can amplify them, but uh, yeah, sometimes they do just keep their head down. 
Yeah. No, yeah. no point in, in putting out anything this year because it's not going to be good for yeah, us. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's, yeah. that's kind of what the attitude is. <laughs> we're not going to do it. <laughs> Forget it. And, uh, you know, now some, uh, some of our Garden Club members, uh, like Donna and Marcia and, mm-hmm. and uh, Sharon, some of those folks that have their, that have their high tunnels, and they, uh, they've got a good sealed high tunnel, mm-hmm. or they heat them, mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of getting some more produce. Yeah, you know, but some of us folks that don't heat their greenhouse, it's cold at night. Like, like I've mentioned, folks before, my tomatoes, uh, they're having a heck of a time setting fruit, and now it's too late in the season. Yeah. Uh, I was out yesterday and I trimmed a lot of the tops off where the, or the branches where there's flowers, mm-hmm. and I I took them off. There's no sense in expending that energy mm-hmm. trying to make a new tomato. Try to direct it back to the tomatoes that are currently on there. Right. You know, but I don't have a heated greenhouse. Like I said, some of the folks that do, they're actually doing a little better in their in their produce production. It's, the, we've talked about this uh, in previous meetings at the Garden Club and such. There, there are people who are trying to make a living at this, and they're not doing it by mistake or by chance. They're doing everything they can to maximize the situation in their greenhouses uh, for production. Just like any other profession, it's going to maximize the pr- you know production. Uh, but it gets hard. Farming is a heck of a thing to try to make a living at. Yeah. Um, uh, no matter what sort of farming you're talking about. Oh, and I just got to tell you, David, uh, my wife Marty just texted me, mm-hmm. and she said, Harvey and Tooley just finished picking a giant big red bowl of peas. Cool. So cool. they're down there picking peas and working in the garden now, right now. now. What, one thing you should not do is calculate the pounds of peas you've got and then put a price on them. Absolutely. <laughs> the, That's a bad the, idea. The, 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 the priceless value of those is having those kids That's right. be enthused about gardening. Say, and I, be, could, I could duplicate that whole effort at uh, Freddy's this afternoon. That's right. That's right. That's right. But that's that's half the fun of it is getting sure. getting those kids sure. enthused about gardening. That's, that's the and point. We we watched their house while they were in the lower forty eight visiting family, and in their garage, the the kids all had they had peas going, they got mm-hmm. tomatoes going. Mm-hmm. Harvey Harvey took just a a a kernel out of the out of the popcorn bag ah, to make popcorn and grew, and and, grew it and it sprouted God, yeah and he's got a single corn plant yeah uh, i don't uh it's probably not going to ear up but it but it was really neat he's got a single corn plant that he grew from a, a store-bought popcorn seed you know the, i wonder where you know i know where popcorn comes from now i didn't know before now but now i know now where's bacon come from <laughs> comes what what do kids know about where their stuff comes that's from? That's right. He of, now knows where popcorn comes from, right. and when he goes to the movie theater and gets a bag of it, it's not the machine that made it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, right. That's, he knows that that's how it grows. Mm-hmm. And popcorn. You know, I'll tell this quick story. One of the ladies I used to work with, I was talking to her about how back in Missouri we used to butcher pigs and mm-hmm. and uh, you know raise pigs with a friend and all that stuff. And she's like, you know, and I, and I go, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, and she thought it was gross to do that. And I asked her and I said, I said, where, where does bacon come from? And she just looked at me with a blank stare. And didn't know. And I said, where, 
do you think your pork chops come from? And she looked at me with a blank stare, and I went, you got no clue where your food comes from, do you? Mm-hmm. You just go to the grocery store, and you pick it up off the, the rack out of the butcher. Or just wh- like your mother did. Right. Then, I mean, that's the point, is how many generations away now are we from yeah, knowing where Yeah, and I said, food, you got no clue yeah. where bacon comes from, do no. you? And she looked at me, and I, I can't repeat on the air what she said to me. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, so, That's all right. And she was a nice lady, you yeah, know. Of but, course. But she We're innocent. We're, people are innocently uh, doing what, they, what they've been told. Yeah, they get uh, they do year after year. Everybody mm-hmm. does it. Uh, exactly. You know, it's like uh, uh, you know, telling uh, David earlier before we went on the air uh, years ago when we were talking about this current windstorm and the, the power outage. Mm-hmm. Years ago, back in Missouri, we lost power for a long time. We had food in the freezer, mm-hmm, the fridge, mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know you could do this. Well, my wife took all the chickens. She boiled them. We had, I don't know, four or five whole chickens in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And she boiled them and picked all the meat off of them, put that meat in a bread loaf pan, mm-hmm. smashed it down, put like a, a, a foil-covered brick on it, and it mashed it down, and it cooked that chicken. We didn't lose it or waste it. Right. And then the the it congealed, and then you tip it out and slice it, and it's the best chicken sandwich Chick- I think I've ever eaten in Chick- my life. Where, where does chicken lunch meat come from? Yeah. <laughs> now <you> know, we know. <laughs> but 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 she learned that from her mom. Of course. And then she learned it from her her grandma. And these two ladies lived through the depression, and you made sure that you did. You know, it's like they said: the only thing of a pig you don't use is a squeal. Exactly. You know, and they learned. And uh, Marty gardened, uh, helped her grandma garden, and, and well. Uh, the, uh, the, what we're going to be talking about is not just vegetable gardens on the 16th, but all those guys that have been gardening for thousands of years. And yeah. it's always been a topic of discussion. Uh, the, um, the, the upper table in the grand hall where the king ate might have been the best food in the world, but everybody generally knew where it came from. Yeah. All right, well, uh, one of the things I want to bring up that I'm really hoping you guys got to listen last time when Joe Lample was on. And I'll tell you what, I think we had a really good show with Joe. Had a little technical problem at the beginning getting uh, connected to him, but I called him back and we hung up and called him back and that got things fired up again. And uh, Joe, uh, Growing a Greener World and the JoeGardener.com website, he has got so much good information. But... uh, our station manager, she has uh, caught up everything. And if you want to listen to that show again, you can go to Growing a Greener Kenai at KDLL. And uh, and you can listen to that show again and listen to other shows. Uh, she's caught up and got most of the shows posted now where you can listen to them again. And I sent that link to Joe and, um, you know, maybe, maybe Joe will listen to his own show again, you know. So, well, anyway... I was talking to you about, uh, I told you what I was going to do with my potatoes. And one of the things, folks, you need to do, uh, one other thing to remind you of is this show, September, is, or, or rather the month of September, I'm sorry, is the last month where we do twice a month shows. Mm-hmm. Starting in October, we'll be once a month again, the first Saturday of the month. So the 16th, a uh, lot going on on the 16th. When you're, when you're, uh, you know, hang, we, hang, hang out at, uh, hang out and we've listen. got your whole day planned. We got your day planned. That's right. Uh, listen, go to the Harvest Moon Festival at ten. 
go sit in the car at 11, <laughs> listen to Growing a Greener Kenai, right. then go back to the Harvest Moon Festival, go to the monthly meeting, then come back to the festival. Your day is All locked in there. That's right. Now, I will have to say that the um, the garden, Growing a Greener Kenai, will be recorded, and it'll be on the website if you do happen to miss it. But uh, uh, that one, I, I, I don't know. David, you think Growing a Greener Kenai ought to be the priority or... Huh. <laughs> the, where, the, the, the question is, is where are you going to be on the 16th? Well, I'm going to be out of town. Yes. Yeah. There's, so we know where your priorities are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no you, you, got it, you got it recorded. And the, yeah, I recorded the, a good, show for next week, good, folks. Good for you. You're dutiful. Um, and I understand, though, that you may be looking at some British gardens. That's right. We're going, uh, my wife and I will be in Great Britain, and we're going to go to some British gardens and do some garden tours and all that. You'll be impressed. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah, I, I recorded a show for the 16th and talked about a few things, but one of the things I want to let you know, what I what I talked about in that next show is some things I wanted to mention to, to listeners now. And uh, one of those things is if you're, you know, going to plant uh, now's the time to be thinking about at least getting or ordering your perennial bulbs uh, to get in the ground this fall if get your garlic ordered and then the next show i talked about planting garlic how to plant it planting some of your perennials and uh, and some of that but get those perennials get those things ordered and you know one of the things in alaska you know, for perennial flowers, you know, you've got spring blooming flowers, summer blooming, fall blooming. You've got all the different ones. And one of the, and you know, and I know I, we've got a lot of great gardeners here, but one of the people I still always bring up is Bobby. Bobby, I went out last year and I toured her garden. She took me for a, a private tour around her garden. Bobby, who? Jackson, out yes. of Jackson Gardens. Yes, exactly. And she. She has broken the code on so many things, but whenever the spring flowers and then the summer blooming flowers and then the fall bloomers come up, she's found out which ones the moose don't like. Right. And she plants them and they get color all year long. You know, so for for instance, you know, the, the spring bloomers that we plant, we all plant, are crocus, daffodils, bleeding some some of the dwarf bleeding heart tulips mm -hmm. those are early early blooming they, flowers to press their way through the snow right they come up and there there will be you know the this year in our garden the crocuses and mm -hmm. especially the crocus mm -hmm. you know and i've always wondered is it crocuses or croci <laughs> <laughs> for, for the plural <laughs> they typically don't care they they don't care they'll. they don't care but there's some people that do care <laughs> too bad <laughs> that's that's right, and I and I'll I will I will tie into that. You know, like I'm a, I'm I'm not really that much a one to really care that uh, the the snow and summer plant. And I'm reading this, folks. Is called the Cerastium tominosum. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about the scientific name. Some folks do; it's their hobby, and that's just fine. We had to learn them. Yeah, David had to learn that stuff. I just like to know a daffodil or a narcissus mm -hmm. is the name. I just want to know what the name of it is and how to grow it. You know, and I'll and I'll give a little caveat to that. When I was working uh, 
for the Air Force and engineering, the computer guys worked for me. And I would have to pull them in every now and then, and I would go, you know, the people you're helping with their computer don't care how the computer works. They don't care about the root drive. They don't care about mm -hmm. the batch files, the auto. Uh, they don't care about all this stuff. They just want it to work. And I go, whenever you're at home and you've got a washing machine, you don't care how the transmission works or mm -hmm. the electric motor works. You just want it to work. That's kind of how I am with a lot of these plants. I just want to know what works best for our region. You know, and that, that, that saves me a lot of time, like I said. Uh, and you uh, learn that by trying a that's whole lot right. of stuff. And what Bobby's done is tried a whole lot of Bobby stuff. Bobby has tried all that stuff. And I, I can, uh, you know, I haven't been out there yet this year. We were going to stop by the other day, but we, we drove by too mm -hmm. late on the way back from Homer. And uh, she was closed already, mm -hmm. so we missed her. But, yeah, you get into, if you haven't got your spring or your uh, perennial bulbs yet, they need to be ordered at least ordered and get them to get them in the ground here probably by the end of September. One of my, one of my, the first things I would do if I was doing a design in a region I wasn't familiar with was find the nurseries, the commercial nurseries, and just work off of their catalog. If they're not growing them, they don't want to get grown. Uh, the, the typically, if you, you find somebody like the Jacksons, they, they've learned everything there is. Oh, learn. yeah, you bet. And, and uh, so don't try to become a, a world expert. Uh, just find out who's doing what, you know, what actually works in that region. And, and that's one of the things I've, I've tried to tell folks, too. And my, all my list, all the listeners have heard me mm -hmm. say this before is, you know, you want to experiment, you want to learn, but don't try to reinvent something. You know, talk to a uh, talk to a, a local gardener right. to see what they're doing. You know, because nothing's more frustrating this year, especially nothing's more frustrating for a new gardener than to have trouble and not know no, why. Not know why. Well, yep. th this year is a tough year for new gardeners. Uh, a very mother, tough year. You haven't done anything wrong. Right. The mother <laughs> Mother Nature's been exactly Mother Nature's been fighting us tooth and nail this year. <laughs> You know, but yeah, get those uh, get those uh, perennial uh, bulbs ordered. You can order them from uh, a catalog. Some people do that. You can go to the big box store. I'll tell you what, I've had from one of the, I'm not going to give the name, but one of the local big box stores, I have wonderful luck with dahlias. Now, now dahlias in the lower 48 or certain that, places. That, uh, that they, would be defining what luck is. Yeah, they, they are a perennial in in yeah. warm weather they've the tubers need to be dug up up here you know so they're they're what's referred to as a uh, as a tender perennial mm -hmm. them and uh, fuchsia or as jeff lowenfels and angstry says uh, instead of fuchsia he calls it a fuchsia <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know that's why they have scientific names maybe so no there's many plants have half a dozen popular that, that's right yeah that's right but our geraniums begonias uh, Glad's, mm -hmm. Marty's Gladiolus are doing great in the garden. They're they're been over. I know they're they're been over. But yeah, uh, you can have good luck. I've had great luck with big box store mm -hmm. dahlias, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, but get those ordered, and boy, get your garlic ordered. Get that garlic ordered because it is so popular. Uh, some of the better varieties I've looked on some of the sites, and they are they're gone. They're sold out already. Yeah. 
they are sold out already. So, you know, and there again, like I said, I'm going to talk about this in my show next uh, in two mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I don't necessarily want to uh, endorse any particular company, but I, I like the three garlic companies I like are Keen, Fillory, and Dragonfly Bay. And the reason I do that, and I mentioned this in the, in the next show, is those are actually grown, hardneck garlic, they're grown in northern climates mm-hmm. in the, in mm-hmm. the lower 48. Exactly. So they're not a hardneck garlic that's grown in California, mm-hmm. a warmer climate. And I don't know, there's just something in my head that tells me I'd rather have the variety that's grown where the ground freezes hard. Of course. Uh, then, I mean, that's why then a warmer that's climate. why that plant decided it can deal with the right, frozen. Right. Right. You know. So. So anyway, uh, you you because it's going to be about any time uh, coming up here, probably right when we get back from our trip. I'll get my garlic in the ground, mm-hmm. and I might even get it in the ground before we leave. So it's there. So it's you're, there. You're waiting for the freeze. Right. And uh, there again, as I mentioned, next time it. Uh, Get it in the ground. The the I'll, I'll talk about it next time. Uh, it doesn't matter if it sprouts and the greenery comes up right. through the ground. It doesn't matter. It'll still go dormant and, and all that good stuff. So get that stuff done. Uh, and then another thing it's time to think about doing this time of year, especially since we're harvesting, and that is if you want to save seeds. Mm. You know, for instance, uh, some seeds are really easy to save. You know, like a, uh, like peppers and popcorn and popcorn <laughs> and popcorn. Uh, you know, I tried growing popcorn last year in my greenhouse. It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. I couldn't get it to go. Yeah. Well, I couldn't get it so to go. So much for movie night. Yeah. No kidding. No yeah. kidding. Uh, but I get, I get popcorn at three bears in the 50 pound sack. And exactly. It lasts a couple of years for yeah. us, yeah. you know? So <laughs> anyway, that's the cheapest way to get it. But anyway, peppers are really easy to save seed from. You know, take take that seed out, mm-hmm. put it on a paper towel or a paper plate, and just let it dry out. And it will be waiting for the season. Waiting it'll, be, put for, it, it'll be waiting for uh, a signal that it's going to be That's right. You can put given. it in uh, the crisper drawer of your mm-hmm. fridge, put it in mm-hmm. little, uh, either a paper envelope or an, an old seed packet or a little plastic zipper top thing or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And the way to tell when those are sufficiently dry is... That little seed, if with you squeeze it, it'll it'll snap, it'll mm-hmm. break, mm-hmm. it won't it won't bend. Right. When it snaps, it's dry enough. Yeah. And uh, and most our gardeners know this that you need to save seeds from a, an heirloom plant because not patented. Well, not not patent. Not I don't mean patented necessarily, but a hybrid. Okay. A hybrid okay. because they take the best of two different varieties and they develop a hybrid mm-hmm. well and when you plant a seed from that you don't know what you're going to get you don't you don't know if you're going to get the variety that uh, has a better root system or the one that has the worst or the one that yeah. has worse or the yeah. one that produces huh. smaller fruit and opposed to big i mean that's interesting it, it, it will be it yeah. will be typically it's the uh, the characteristics of the mother or father plant. Right. You know, you and, and sometimes I've read you can get a totally different plant. <laughs> That's you know? so now, I mean, it's still going to be a pepper. Sure, sure. But it might grow like wildfire, mm-hmm. but not produce anything. Interesting. 
<laughs> we, uh, uh, having lived in Florida as long as I did, you, you, you found out soon enough that the oranges always grew on sour orange stock. The, the root systems, they were, oh, uh, you, you never got a, an edible orange off of an orange tree in one of those groves that weren't growing off of a sour orange rootstock. They yeah. they're, they're, uh, and and uh, that's, yeah, you don't want to necessarily take a cutting too far down on that tree. Yeah, you know, because yeah. uh, everything, if it's, uh, they graft them, mm-hmm. and if you take a cutting below the graft, yeah, yeah, you, that's you're not, not going to get anything, even uh, above the graft. But, so anyway, if your seeds, if you bought that seed and it's got an F on it, like mm-hmm. a typically F1 or something, that's a hybrid. It's an heirloom plant. You want to grow heirloom tomatoes, heirloom. If you're wanting to save your own seed, you need right. to grow heirloom, heirloom varieties Interesting. without that F. Right. And if you're wanting to save tomato seeds, uh, the way to do that is, you know, tomatoes uh, have that gel, jelly in them mm-hmm. with around the seeds. That stuff needs to be taken off uh, to, to preserve them. And what you do is you can put those seeds into a jar of water or whatever, and you, you, oh, you can kind of so shake it up. washing them off. And it, well, oh. what it does is it, it kind of ferments. Yeah. And then that gel will slowly keep coming off. And then the way to tell if your seeds are viable, mm-hmm. then once you've got all that gel off and you very slowly pour that water off and put a little more in, try not to lose your seeds. The seeds that float are no good. The seeds that sink to the bottom oh, are good, good viable seeds. That's interesting. The, the, yeah. Huh. So, huh. so then the, there, there's something in that seed case that is still viable and lets it sink. Right, right. Yeah. If, if the seed sinks, yeah. uh, you know, it's like I've, I've never tried it, but I've watched a couple of videos of, of people who have uh, started strawberries and blueberries from seed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put them, they put them in, they put the blueberries in the blender oh, with geez. water. Right. And all the seeds, you know, those little bitty seeds. Yeah, are, yeah. And then they do the same thing. They wash them, they wash them. And the seeds that sink to the bottom are good. The seeds that float are no good. And then they plant good to know. blueberry plants yeah, about that yeah. stuff. So anyway, yeah, the good tomato seeds will sink to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you do the same thing. You lay them out on a paper towel, and it may be weeks. Mm-hmm. They need to dry really well. And then you can store them, like I said, in the back right. of the fridge or down in the crisper drawer or something right. like that. Some people, I've, I've never done this before. Some people say uh, you can freeze them. And, you know, the, the seed vault in Svalbard and some of the seed vaults, they, they freeze their seeds for posterity. Yeah, for, for, for preserving the, you know, genome, so right. to speak. No. You know, but yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. I ought to try that as an experiment sometime and just try freezing some and see if, if right. that worked, if they work the next right, season, right. you know. But, uh, yeah, typically um, hmm. they, they sink, they're good. They float, they're no good. Out they go. Clever. And, uh, and then, you, you know, then you do that, you know. And then this time of year, too, folks, you know, I always like to give a uh, how do you do to the Extension Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check their website at uaf.edu uh, forward slash CES. And the, one of the most important things to do right now is get an appointment or go by the extension office there on K Beach where Casey Matney works and get those, uh, get your uh, pressure cooker gauges checked. Ah, get, 
Who would have thought of that? Yeah, you, you get them checked and yeah. uh, make, make sure they're good and accurate. Right. But it's, it's time to think about we all work too hard to not preserve our foods properly, be it either freezing, be it vacuum sealing, uh, be it canning, whatever. whatever. And that's where you would learn how to do it. And you don't want your walrus to go bad in pint jars. I just saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we all work too hard yeah. uh, with with fish, with anything, to not preserve it properly. So that's one of the biggest things is for safety mm-hmm. is get those gauges checked down at the extension center. They'll do it for free. Uh, but but there again, like I said, the uh, the extension center, they still, they have got, uh, they've just got so much information and they will help you out with anything that you need. Casey is one of the most enthusiastic, knowledgeable people I have ever known. It's when, good, good to have him in the neighborhood. Yeah, with, when you look at uh, the science mm-hmm. of gardening mm-hmm. and everything. Exactly. And another, another person to think about, I don't know if uh, registration is closed yet, but typically about this time of year they start the Master Gardener program. Mm. And the person to check with there is a, a gal up at a UAA named Heidi Rader. Mm-hmm. And Heidi is a knowledgeable associate professor up there. Mm-hmm. And she is the instructor. She runs the Master Gardener program. And that's done online? Yeah, you do it, you do it online. You do it remote. Right. And every now and then they will do an in, yeah, in, in person, in, in person yeah. you know, on-site uh, class. But uh, I took it with Heidi a number of years back, and it's, it's not really difficult. It's fun. You learn a lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it gives you a little patch to put on your vest if you want. This says Alaska Master Gardener, you know, and a, and a nice. Uh, uh, that, may, that may lead into uh, what a landscape architect is because there's a, it's an, a, a lovely profession. I, I enjoyed every bit of it. But uh, it's a registered profession along with architects and you don't you don't uh think about what it what that means until you realize the liability involved in designing public spaces any sort of public space gardens plazas uh we i've always uh, defined it as the design profession that deals with everything that's outside a doorway if it's inside the door it's not landscape architecture if it's outside the door it is and uh, we, we uh, work with civil engineers and hand-in-hand uh, uh, hand with all sorts of other professions. But if you're designing an environment, it's because it's being done by a landscape architect outside the door. The, um, the master gardener uh, know, uh, you know, knows all there is about the science of growing things. The landscape architect has been trained to know everything there is about how humans deal with landscapes and how they in, engage in them sure and uh so that uh, it just made me think about reg, uh master gardeners and uh, with their little pins we don't hand out pins as landscape architects to be put on our badge you know badges but oh, okay. um there it is a registration and uh, as i uh, when i first uh started working i was registered as a landscape architect in the state of maryland which did a whole lot of good if you were working up and down the eastern seaboard, right? It did me no good to speak of uh, when I finally ended up practicing in Florida. Florida requires, as a registered landscape architect, for you to take a Florida plant ID 
test, a, a test on all the things uh, you need to know to grow in Florida. And we've been talking about you know, Jackson's and what you need to know to grow in, in Alaska. I would not be the person to hire right now to do a landscape design in Alaska. So if you got hired, it'd be real cheap, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be worth what you paid for. It. Yeah. And, but, the, the, but if I wanted to transfer my license uh, from Florida to Alaska, I would be required to take something called the Arctic Engineering Course at UAA. Yeah. Are we running out? Yeah, we got about two minutes left, David. So. Really? Yeah, well, David. I did. I started too late then. But <laughs> but if you're looking for a landscape architect, that, that's what we do. That's what we do. We make sure you don't make as many mistakes cool. as possible. Very cool. Yeah, and uh, folks, uh, that Master Gardener training, it's uh, 12 self-paced lessons and really take no more than 40 hours to complete. And then you do a volunteer service, you get X number of hours, and then you become a master gardener it's not hard at all and an alaskan now. alaska master garden exactly. yeah and it's it's a lot of fun so well folks uh we're down to it the last minute of the show again. we ran out of time again i hope you enjoyed today's show and david thanks for coming on the show sure. with me again we're, of course everybody i'm sorry i'm gonna miss your presentation on the 16th uh but i'll be going to some good gardens i don't uh, i wouldn't yeah i would i don't you're going to have the better deal. <laughs> so, but thanks again, folks, for listening to uh, Growing a Greener Kenai. And remember, uh, next week's show I recorded, but that's the last show of the season for twice a month. Starting the first Saturday in October, I'll be back. I'll be back home then, and we'll get back into a once-a-month show, and we'll talk wintertime activities, ordering seeds, Christmas presents again, and that kind of stuff. So... Thanks again for listening. Thanks to David. This is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai and Soldatna. I have a lot of fun doing this, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>